Psalm 90 is where we're going. So open your Bibles up, turn to Psalm chapter 90. We are continuing the Lord is Good sermon series. His steadfast love endures forever. As you're turning to Psalm 90, let me set this up for you. The superscriptions in the Psalm are not part of the inspired, infallible, inerrant word of God. It, it's added there by an editor to try to help us. We don't know how accurate all of those superscriptions are. People debate that. This superscription, though, in Psalm 90 contributes this as a prayer of Moses. It is the only superscription that introduces a psalm as a prayer of Moses. So think about it in your mind now. We are typically reading psalms, which are a prayer of David or others. But this one's the one that says Moses. I'm going to come back to that later in the message because I think it's significant. As we read through this text, I want you to pay attention to all of the words that indicate time. There are words like days, generations, everlasting, morning, evening. It's all throughout this. And so there are things that talk to us about time. In this psalm, you have the two biggest problems of all of us listed. This psalm addresses the problem of sin and the problem of death. Every single one of us has two issues in life. We are sinners in need of a savior because we can't stop sinning. We need grace and mercy repeatedly. Otherwise, we are in jeopardy of the wrath of God falling upon us. Every last one of us will die if the Lord doesn't return before our time comes. You can't avoid it. And so the problem of morality and the problem of mortality are both gonna be addressed right here in Psalm 90. This psalm helps us have a focus on how finite we are and on how infinite God is. When we read this psalm, what we should realize is that he is the everlasting and that we are but a speck of sand on the oceans of God's eternity. I'm supremely insignificant compared to God. But that shouldn't depress me. It should remind me that I am built for something more and that this life is not the end game. This life is not all there is, that there is more that is coming. And that's what we want to focus on today. Here's our main idea. Main idea, don't waste your life. You have a limited number of days. We count our days here at Cedarville. It's part of why we have slides and pictures and banners that say every day matters to drill it into our minds that we're not guaranteed additional days. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're only guaranteed a limited number of days here at Cedarville. We hope, you know, four years is what we're shooting for there. But, you know, maybe you'll add a bonus year and get five. But it's not forever. It's a limited time frame here. Don't waste your life. We've got a breakdown here. Outline is going to be this. Verses 1 and 2, we're going to look at our Lord as eternal. Verses 3 through 12, we're going to look at our life as brief. And then verses 13 through 17, we're going to look at how our labor can be lasting. Psalm chapter 90, if you are able, would you stand in honor of the reading of God's word? Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust. And you say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past. 
or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, and the evening it fades and it withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They're soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. Make us glad. For as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil, let your work be shown to your servants, your glorious power to their children. And let the favor of the Lord, our God, be upon us. Establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Dear Lord, as we come to you, I pray that my words would stick to your text. God, I pray today you would impress upon us just how infinite and how eternal you are. And Lord, how insignificant and finite we are. But how you can still use us to do something that matters. God, we do pray again today for baby Henry that you would continue to allow him to improve, that you would continue to give his parents rest, that you would continue to prevent infection of doctor's wisdom so that we could see him come home to give glory and praise to you for you are the great physician. Lord, I thank you for all of our guests who are on campus today. Lord, help them to catch a glimpse of who we are. And Lord, if you want them here, call them here. Clearly lay out your will for their lives. And Lord, for all of us in this room, help us to get a heart of wisdom. Help us to number our days, but not just so we number them. Lord, help us to get a heart of wisdom and not to waste our lives. Lord, establish the work of our hands for your honor and your glory. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. And you may be seated. All right, let's roll through this text fairly quickly here. Point number one, our Lord is eternal. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Here what the author is emphasizing is that God is the dwelling place for every generation from the beginning to the end. It is God who is the dwelling place. He says, before the mountains were brought forth, God was. When I think about the mountains, I think about things that are geographical landmarks. The mountains don't move. If you go to a place and you don't come back for another 10, 15, 20 years, things have changed. If you are an alumni visiting Cedarville 20 years later, things have changed. It's kind of the way things happen, but mountains don't change. Like you can say, I'm going to that mountain and that mountain has always been there and that mountain will always be there, at least in our minds as we take things for granted. And here the text is saying to us that before there was ever a mountain there, God, you were, you are the everlasting, you are the one that matters. So before there was an Everest, there was a God. Before there was a K2, there was a God. Before there was a Kilimanjaro, there was a God. Before there was a Denali, there was a God. And guess what? After all of those are gone, 
there will still be God. Our minds, my mind, I can't grasp that. I don't have the capability mentally to be able to truly grasp the fact that before anything was, there was a God. And here our text says to us next, or ever you had formed the earth and the world. My mind can't comprehend that in the scheme of God, there was a time when there was nothing. And God spoke it all into existence. Because I get wrapped up in how busy the days are and how busy the hours are and how busy the months are and the years are and so caught up in the trappings of all the emails that fly in and you got to get this done and I got to, you get it because you have a syllabus and your syllabus tells you that you're going to have a test on this date and I've got to read this material and I've got to prepare for this and the papers do here and I've got to turn in this assignment and if I don't get all this done, I've only got like 16 weeks to get all this done or I'm going to fail this class and so there's always the urgency, the tyranny of the urgent overwhelms us so we never stop and look back and think about the grand scope of all eternity and our place in it. Friends, the first thing the author starts with here is that our Lord is eternal. From everlasting to everlasting, there is but one God and Yahweh is it. He is the God. So we turn to point number two. Our life is brief. Now, this may be a bad psalm to choose on a day when you got a bunch of guests coming, but it, it fits us because we number our days. And so I thought, how fitting to talk about this and why we number our days. This whole section, though, it, it, it kind of gives us bad news. In case you didn't know it, you're one day closer to death than you were yesterday. Welcome to chapel. You return man to dust. You know, how often do I want to think, or do you want to think, how important we are? Man, I'm significant. <laughs> dust. You're not even important. You're dust. What do we do with dust? <laughs> Give me my eye drop so I can get it out of my eye. Get out, get out of the way, dust. And you say to the children of man, Return. Now, this word dust is different than the word Genesis that's used for dust. And it does bring to mind, though, that we are formed from the earth and that we are going to return to dust. It brings to mind the insignificance of who we are. And then it says in verse 4, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday. A thousand years is yesterday. I can't comprehend that. How many of you know what happened in 1023? Raise your hand. Nobody. Some of you are pulling out your phones to Google it. Don't waste your time. I've already tried. Nothing significant happened in 1023. That would have made a great illustration, but not to be. It just didn't happen. Everything I read about what happened in 1023, I had no clue about any of it. It doesn't matter to us anymore. It says a day in the sight of the Lord compared to all eternity. Peter uses this reference too in talking about the Lord being slow to anger. Put this in your mind. If you count a thousand years of the day in the mind of God, Jesus was resurrected two days ago. Seriously? I can't fathom this. And then it even gets worse because it says, or as a watch in the night. Four hours. Oh, wait a second. So the 2,000 years is eight hours? How long we're supposed to sleep at night? And yes, students, you are supposed to get seven to eight hours sleep every night. And if you don't get that, you don't think as well. So get your sleep in, manage your life well. End of 
End of discussion. Okay, I'll stop meddling. Verse five, you sweep them away with a flood. Our days mean nothing. They're gone. Encouraging message for you this morning, right? And they are like a dream. This one gets me. They're like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning, it flourishes and renewed. By the evening, it fades and it withers. Okay, time out. Time out, Moses. Time out, Holy Spirit. Time out, Jesus. Couldn't you have at least compared me to an oak tree? Like, no, no, you're not that significant. Come on, give me a tree or a bush. Not the little grass that comes up. That, we're talking about the grass that comes up because it's, it's flourishing, but by the time the heat pounds on it, it can't withstand the heat. And so at the end of the day, it's already, it's already withering away. Now, this brings to mind another verse. It's Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. This verse tells us that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. All right, friends, if the word's what's going to stand forever, what's our slogan? No Bible, no breakfast. This is what matters. All right, let's keep moving here. Verse 7, for we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath, we are dismayed. It, it jumped jump to verse 11. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to fear of you? All right, I can't comprehend this either. How holy is our God? Our God is holy enough that when Isaiah encountered him, he says, woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips. He's so holy that when Peter was in the boat with Jesus and he said, cast out your nets on the other side and they brought up this catch of fish that was an amazing miracle, he fell down to his knees before the holy and righteous God. We can't fathom the true wrath of God, the holiness of God, of who God is. We can't fathom that even in fear of him. How sinful am I to be in the presence of a holy God? By your wrath, we are dismayed. Well, maybe he doesn't know just how bad I am. No, he knows. Your heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Look at verse eight. You have set our iniquities before you. He sees all. Yeah, but you don't understand. I'm really good at hiding stuff. God knows. He knows all of it. And it says in this next verse, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all of our days pass away under your wrath and we bring our years to an end because we're so significant. How do our years come to an end? Or as James would say, like a vapor, like a mist, like a puff that's blown away with the wind. That's it. That's all we are. Congratulations on how important you are. I think I'm supposed to be telling you how important and significant you are and how much we value you and love. And yet here's what the text is reminding me is that I am not important at all. I am completely insignificant. And so we continue reading. The years of your life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80. Now we, you could debate the lifespan and all that. It doesn't matter, 70 by 80. At the text also, some people have said, well, this isn't really talking about the number of years that you live because Moses lived to be longer than that. This is talking about the years that they were in exile, 70 years, but that's not what it says. And so 70, 80 years, we'll just take it at face value as to what it says it is. So, so 70 years, the life expectancy, a reasonable life, yet their span is but toil and trouble and they are soon gone and we fly away. Now there's good news there in that we fly away because we fly away to go somewhere to do something. This life is not the end. 
So verse 12 says, so teach us to number our days. Why do we number our days? We don't number our days so that we can have a record of numbering our days. We number our days for the results. So the so here indicates to us all this we've been talking about. Here's your point. This is what you need to write down. Here's what you need to get. Here's what you need to strive for. A heart of wisdom. How do I have a heart of wisdom? By recognizing how insignificant I am and how significant he is. By recognizing that it's only what I do for the Lord that's going to last for all eternity and not the silly things I do for myself. By recognizing that no no matter how bad the trials of this world are, they are temporary. This world is not my home. I am living for eternity. So every day that I live on this life should be spent in an effort to get involved in God's great story because his story is the only one that lasts. My story doesn't matter. Heart of wisdom. So I still can't fathom all of this stuff. So let's figure out if we can help fathom it. Our rope here represents eternity. You've probably seen others use this illustration before. So where am I on the rope of eternity? What what color should I use? Should I use pink or orange? Okay, let's vote. Who wants pink? Who wants orange? All right, y'all are no help. We're going with orange because that's what my son hollered out. All right, here is my significance. Are y'all ready for this? Get a close-up of it. Can y'all see it? Oh, you can't see it. I can't even see it. I'm standing right here. That's it right there. It's right there. It's right there. You see it? I see it right there. Oh, wait, I lost it again. I can't find it. (laughs) You know what? That's your significance too. That's all you got. So what are you going to do with it? Because my dot, frankly, doesn't matter. It matters to a few people for a few years, and then it's gone. My dot is so insignificant in the grand scheme. Look how, look how, you know, I wonder how many, I'm just walking by years here. Here we go. All right, it's gone. I'm walking by years. We can't fathom this. So eternity's too long. Let's make our rope represent 100,000 years. Because in the grand scope of 100,000 years, that's a lot of years, right? In the grand scheme of eternity, it's not a lot of years, but 100,000 years is a lot of years. So if 100,000 years is what this rope is, then, then let's see, what would 70 years be if this rope is 100,000 years? Or just so happened, I have it pre-marked right here in tape. This is 70 years of your life if this rope represents 100,000 years. I'll, I'll get out of the way here. I'll just point to it. You see it? That's you. That's me. That's 70 years if this rope is 100,000 years. I still can't fathom this. Let's make this rope 6,000 years. 6,000 years takes us back to 4,000 BC. Many would say that's about the age of the earth. And so let's let's take this rope and say, okay, it's 6,000 years. So if this rope is 6,000 years, then one year equals 0.24 inches. Oh, look, there just happens to be a piece of orange tape right there. That is a quarter of an inch. Here's a year. I'm going to back away. Keep it on the orange. 
the orange in the grand scheme of six, they didn't keep it on the orange. Keep it on the orange. Don't need to look at me. In the grand, we can't find the orange. The orange is right here. This is how insignificant I am. So, okay. So, okay, let's mark out 70 years. If this is 6,000 years, this is going to be easier. Here we go. The green. This is 70 years. So if this is 6,000 years, be still. Doesn't work for me. It worked for Jesus. I'm not Jesus. So um, green, 70 years in the grand scope of 6,000 years. So let me put that in context for you. Cedarville University became Baptist in 1953. This is 2023. This is the existence of the university as most people now know it. Boom, and we're past it. You know what? In the grand scheme of eternity, this university doesn't matter unless it stands for the word of God and for Jesus Christ. That's it. In the grand scheme of eternity... We don't matter. 6,000 years, this is all we get. So the text says, Lord, teach us to number our days so that we may live a heart of wisdom. Ephesians 5, 15 and 17 repeats this in the New Testament. It says, look carefully then how you walk. Look carefully. Is it look carefully at your walk or look carefully at where you're going? We don't know, but it's look carefully. Either way, it gets to the same end. Look carefully how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. This is your heart of wisdom, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. It's the will of the Lord to follow him, to pursue righteousness, to abstain from evil, to do things that have eternal significance with our labor. So we move to point number three then. Our labor can be lasting. See, you could look at this and you can say, this, this mark of my life in eternity is really insignificant, so now I'm depressed because nothing I do matters. But you can also look at this and say, wait a second. God has given me breath. He has given me days on this earth. We don't know how many he's given us, maybe 70, maybe 80 by reason of strength. But if I'm working for something that's part of God's eternal story, then that labor can actually have lasting significance. And so Moses here writing says, return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. So where do we find satisfaction? It's not in all the junk of this world. It's not in all the things that take up our days and our hours and our minutes. It's not in all the games we play of this life or the sinful temptations. It is in the steadfast love of the Lord that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen evil. Look at the plea here in verse 16. Let your work be shown to your servants. Here's what he's crying out for. Lord, I wanna see you do something. Lord, I know I can't do something, but you can do something. And I think we're seeing that, just a glimpse of it. 
Are, are we having a revival? Is Asbury having a revival? Are we seeing it all across the country as different things happening? Friends, it's way too soon to be putting a name on anything. If we're seeing an outpouring of the Lord where we just have a few special services, where we repent of our sins and take God more seriously than we've ever done before, then praise God for that. If we catch a passion for evangelism, to realize that one of the most significant things we can do is tell somebody who's gonna spend eternity in hell separated from God about the gospel so that they can spend eternity in heaven with Jesus, then that's what matters. That's what's significant. Who cares what they call it? Friends, may we see and understand and realize the wrath of God and the fear of him and our insignificance and all the things we think are so important in this life when they really don't matter all that much. Lord, we wanna see your work and your glorious power to their children. So we cry out, Lord, send revival. Lord, send an outpouring. Lord, send repentance to our land. Lord, give us a passion for evangelism. Lord, use your Holy Spirit because evangelism is hard work. Now, we've got some amazing stories that have happened from students who have gone out. We're going to share some of those Wednesday night. But for the majority of people that share their faith and share the gospel, it's hard work. It is a marathon, long-term struggle. It's not something that you just always get instant fulfillment by. And here, what he's crying out, he's saying, Lord, let us see you do something special. Lord, I don't want to waste my life. I want to see something incredible in my lifetime. I can't bring that on. Only you can. Lord, pour it out. Let our children see your glorious power. And what that means is if he does it, who gets the credit for it? Not Cedarville, not you, not a person, only God. It's his glorious power. So Lord, bring it. Let us see it. Verse 17, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, Lord, establish the work of our hands. Psalm 127, which we'll do later in the semester. Puts it this way. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. So how do I summarize this last section? How do I leave you with something that you can walk away with that could be encouraging? Here's what I want to say to you. Friends, for us to do something significant where the Lord's going to establish the work of our hands, we need to align our God-given passions with our God-given gifts. So listen, if you say, hey, I want to be an engineer, great. But, you know, I don't like math. Not going to work. It's a God-given passion with a God-given gift. If I say to you, I'm thinking about taking up a career singing, everybody that's heard me sing would say, what are you smoking? Because not only can I not sing, and trust me, before y'all come up here and say, I could train you how to sing. I can't sing. And the stuff you're going to tell me to do, I don't even know what you're talking about. Sing from your chest or your head in this pitch or that pitch. What? A pitch? I know a curveball. I know a slider. I know a fastball. I don't know what else you're talking about. All right? You align your God-given gifts with your God-given passions. And sometimes it's our faculty's job to let you know that what you think is your God-given gift is not your God-given gift so that we can get you in your God-given gift for the rest of your life. We try to do that sooner rather than later, but you need to align those God-given gifts and those God-given passions. And then you need to say, God has created me for a vocational calling. It's not an occupation. It's not a paycheck. It is a vocational calling to use those God-given gifts and that God-given passion and line it up for God's glory and do it for the rest 
rest of your life serving him well and serving everybody else well. It's not that just preachers and missionaries can be those who work for God. Friends, we all work for God. There is a special calling to be able to preach the gospel or to go on the mission field, and that's great. But every last one of us is called to fulfill the Great Commission. Every last one of us is called to be a light in a dark place. Every last one of us is called to take the gospel with us wherever we go, to love our neighbor, to love Christ. So whatever he's calling you to do, do it for the glory of God. Do it with reckless abandon. Do it with great passion. Do it to change this world. Friends, I would love to see eight to 10 to 12 to 30 of you say, we're gonna go to this city because this city's dark and this city needs a church and we can get jobs because 99% of us are gonna be employed and the other guy's gonna pray a lot or whatever, I don't know. And you're gonna plant a church in that area with somebody that preaches the Bible because we all know it's not about us, it's about him. And that church is gonna then be a light in that dark city and the lightness overcomes the darkness and that dark city becomes no longer dark because 30 students caught a vision to say, I'm gonna spend my life in this way for his glory, aligning my God-given passions, my God-given gifts and using them for his ultimate glory so that my little dot, wherever it may be up here, is completely insignificant but it's part of the story of eternity. Can you catch that vision? Can you use your life in that way? Don't waste your life. Pray that the Lord will allow your life to matter. All right, I'm closing with this. Think about the children of Israel. We don't know if Moses wrote this. I don't know what the occasion is, but boy, this fits in my mind. Children of Israel have a chance to go to the promised land. No, 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 no. Yes, yes. They bring back a bad report. So what do they do? They wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Friends, what is it that God's calling you to do that you're sitting there saying, I can't do this? The children of Israel. No, 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 no. Yes, yes. 40 years in the wilderness. Oh, Lord, establish the work of our hands. Don't let us be those who are 40 years in the wilderness. Let us be those who say by the power of God, by the power of his spirit in our lives, we can take the promised land. We can make a difference for all eternity, not for us, but for him. Can you see Moses praying this now? Can you see this as a reminder to the children of Israel that we're not to be those who are doubters and those who sit back and do nothing? We're not to be those who just wander around playing meaningless games for 40 years. We are to be those who say, God, you can do it, use me. Here I am, stand me. Let's go. Let's make a difference. Let's not waste our lives. Friends, we have a chance, we have a moment, we have an opportunity, we have a few days. We have a lifespan in the grand scheme of 6,000 years. What are you gonna do with it? Every day matters. Don't waste your life. I hope you know that you are loved. You're loved by us, but even more, you're loved by God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, I pray that you would help us to establish our lives and our work on you. God, I pray that you would help 
for us to have wisdom, a heart of wisdom. Help us to pray for that heart of wisdom. Help us to confess those secret sins. Help us to plead with you to establish the work of our hands. And Lord, may you be our firm foundation. May you be our declaration. May you be the one that we spend our life working for. May you be the one that receives all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.